I had contacts everywhere, in all the clubs and bars and radio stations. I was always on the lookout for the next big thing. But I only truly found it once. It started with a Polaroid snapshot that I held so the marquee's neon light fell on it. I don't know, I said skeptically. She looks like a chunky Morticia Adams. Oh, be nice, Andre said. As manager for the city's top underground radio station, he had tipped me off to some fairly successful acts in the past. The thermodynamic Kiwis and Todd Slaughter's Band of Otters were our most recent signees. My reputation at the label, though, would not survive a spectacular blunder made just on Andre Seso. Besides, as the ranking hippie in residence, I knew my job depended on judging not just what was hot now— but what the kids would be listening to in six months' time over their bonfires of draft cards and brassiers. It's nothing personal, I'm just kind of burned out on sensitive folk singers, I said. If I hear one more Joan Baez sermon, I'll jump off a bridge. Besides, I think the trend is fading. I heard Dylan's even playing an electric guitar. But this girl is incredible, Andre said earnestly. I've never heard anything like her. She may not look like much in that photo, but she's the grooviest thing in the world on stage. I looked at the picture again. The girl was in her early twenties with long black hair parted in the middle. She had heavy eyebrows and wore dark lipstick. Her face was pleasantly round, and her black sleeveless dress showed pudgy upper arms. There was an appealing black-and-white starkness to her, in direct contrast to the multicolored psychedelia around us. I checked my watch— The girl's first set began in fifteen minutes inside the Human Bean, the city's trendiest coffeehouse, which is why Andre dragged me down here. I sighed. Okay, Andre, you win. I'll check her out. But she better be the grooviest thing in the world, or you owe me a nickel bag and a date with that receptionist of yours. It was a time when everything seemed alive, and not just because of all the acid we were taking. The very air rippled with possibility. "'laced with an energy to which we all contributed "'and from which we all partook. "'And on that night the streets were even more filled than usual "'with tie-dyed shirts, bell-bottoms, dilated pupils, "'and the sense of impending destiny. "'So what happened shouldn't have been that surprising. "'A human being, a tiny room packed with round tables and wooden chairs, "'a mahogany bar across one wall and a shallow stage along the opposite one, smelled of java and grass. Multicolored shirts glowed in the black lights, and strobes flickered in the corners. The face of Jimi Hendrix, as big as a Volkswagen, watched beneficently from a wall mural behind the bar. In front of the small stage, several kids sat cross-legged and swayed to music only they heard, or that was contained in the joints they passed around. Someone handed one to me as we settled in at our table, and I took a sociable toque, Andre did likewise, and I ordered a beer and a bag of chips to offset the munchies I always got if I even looked sideways at marijuana. As the waitress returned with our order, the room grew dark and the stage lights came up. The crowd applauded as the performer walked to the straight-back chair placed at center stage. Just as in the Polaroid, she wore a short black sleeveless dress, black boots, and big earrings. She dramatically tossed her long hair behind her shoulders, arranged a capo on her guitar— and finally looked out at the audience with a mischievous little grin. "'They call me Patience,' she said seriously as she settled into the chair. Her voice was deep and full, with an unmistakable southern twang. "'Do you know why? Because I've got a lot of it. 
but be careful. Then she smiled, and something seemed to radiate from her directly into me, like an electrical cord plugged into an outlet. That's a lot of patience to lose. The crowd woozily cheered. Then she strummed her guitar and began to sing. The songs she performed weren't important. The essential thing was that this slightly overweight, dark-eyed chick had me and the whole audience riveted. In all my years as a passable musician, then as a much better talent scout, I had never experienced anything like it. Not Elvis, not the Stones, not even the Beatles commanded attention to this degree. On an emotional level, the performance left me and everyone else drained. But despite this, I noticed two things about Patience. One was that after her initial comments, she hardly spoke to the audience or even acknowledged it. She stayed super-focused on her music.